Life Audio. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we are going to be talking about a very interesting question, something that I've thought a lot about um, over the years in particular. I think I've got my answers now, though. So I'm I'm happy with that. Cool. Uh, But the question on our minds, the thing that we want to hash out is how were and were people in the old testament people before jesus were they saved could they be saved how were they saved those are the things we want to kind of mull over in this episode so we're kind of looking at the difference between old testament and new testament kind of what what is that difference and uh, is it important is it important for our salvation yeah so this is going to be a little bit all over the place because it's kind of going to have to be (laughs) but what's new sure so we'll see you guys after a quick word from our sponsors Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. All right, Randy. So we're talking about salvation. Right. And did did that just start with Jesus? I think that's that's the thing we kind of have to to, right. to figure right, out right, today. Right. You know, growing up, I thought yes that it just started with Jesus. That's just kind of how it was always told to me from from people that I knew. Um, I don't know that my parents ever like explicitly said that to me, but like I kind of gleaned that, you know, through understanding, you know, the salvation was in Jesus alone. So well, I mean, Jesus himself says that. Right. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Right. And so like. So are you going to tell me he's wrong? No. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> You're really just trying to screw me up in the oh, first gosh, like two yeah. minutes here? Yeah. Yeah, I don't love that. I just want to see a sweat. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm not going to say he's wrong, but I'm going to say it's also a lot more complicated of an answer than we generally make it. Yes, it is. Because, among other things, we have examples of people in the Old Testament who actually are caught up to live with God. Yeah, we have examples in the Old Testament of, okay, for instance, Jesus says that no one has ever seen God. Right. 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 But then we have examples in the Old Testament of people encountering the angel of the Lord and bowing down and worshiping him and then looking at each other and going, we just saw God. uh, Correct. Well, well, wait a minute. How does that work? You know, 
so we kind of got to hash all that stuff out. The, okay. I, mean, I mean, let's let's just let's get the angel of the Lord stuff right out of the way. Right. We believe, and I believe that there is staunch biblical evidence that the second person of the Trinity, the Son, Jesus Christ, is present throughout the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord, as the commander of the Lord's army. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else? Anything I'm missing? Uh, son of Man in the book of Daniel. Yes, the Son of Man in the book of Daniel and the vision. Uh, yeah, there's bound to be... We might be missing something. Yeah, I'm but, sure we are. That's, I'm sure we are. That's the idea, though, Yeah, is that God in a physical form... Yeah. Oh, uh, it, when he comes down and he... Um, the man that approaches Abraham. Yes. With yes, the other yes, two men. Yes. One of them is God. Right. Right? We believe that's Jesus. Yeah. We believe that that is the second person the of the second Trinity. The second person of the Trinity. The, Jesus he, is the name he takes when he's born right. to, to, to Mary. But that whenever God does appear before people, it is through the person the of Jesus. It's the, the person the of Jesus. Of Jesus. The, the person of the Trinity who breaks through creation. In fact, uh, Colossians seems to imply that Jesus was God's uh, mechanism for creation. Yes. The world was created through Jesus. Yes. So when God was walking in uh, the cool of the evening in the With garden. Adam and Eve. Must have been. Jesus. The second person of the Trinity right. who later is recognized as Jesus. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot to wrap your head yeah. around. Yeah. And we still got like 40 minutes. So. <laughs> Well, we haven't even begun to address the question that we identified. But we need to get that out of the way because the point is that it's not like Jesus just appeared in the New Testament out of nowhere. Jesus has been here forever. He has always been God. Yes. It's just that he has not always appeared as the man of Jesus Christ. Oh, the man that wrestled with uh, Jacob? Yeah, the man that wrestled with Jacob. Yeah, so – yeah, there he is again, right? Like that's Jesus. It's just he wasn't going by the name right. Jesus right. yet, or at right. least to our knowledge, that right. was not right. Right. that was not what he was going by, right? Um, and so there are all these names for him. But it, uh, another time is when you see what well, we've already talked about the angel of the Lord. But in the desert, when they're they're being led through the wilderness in Exodus, I believe it is mm-hmm. um, that. Uh, you've yeah. got you've got the cloud, right? It either the front or the back, and it pillar switches. fire and the the column. What is it? column of smoke? Pillar of fire. I didn't prepare for this, but yes, it's one of those two. Yeah, it, or it, both, right? <laughs> but that's at the front or the back. I don't remember which of the crowd. Usually at the front, but there is a time when it goes when to it the switches. back to protect them right. from Pharaoh's army. But on the other end is the angel of the Lord. Yes, there's one passage that says the angel of the Lord led them. But so in that passage, you have the the, the angel of the Lord leading. You have the pillar of the column of fire, smoke, however you want right. to say, at the back. That's two people of the Trinity present in the same moment. And so we see Jesus all throughout the Old Testament. He's there. He's just not being called Jesus. Um, and and this, this is something that Michael Heiser actually talks about, that the Jews believed in the two powers in heaven. That, that Historically, the Jews had believed that, that in like two Yahwehs. That, I mean, it explains why David says, my Lord said to my Lord, right? Like right. It's like yes. it, there yes. is clearly this understanding that there is a 
a complexity to God, right? So, Zach, uh, when Jesus said no one has seen God, what was he really saying? Well, he's talking about he's talking about the Father. He's talking about okay. the 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 Father presents Himself in, as Spirit because they're looking at Him, and Jesus is God, right? But he's talking about the other person in the Trinity. He's talking about no the other one person has seen in the, Trinity. The, the, father. the Father. No one has seen right. the Father. Yeah. So when Moses says, "I want to see you," and the Lord puts him in a in a hollow in the rock and That's covers Christ. his eyes and walks by and lets him see his hinder parts. Yeah. Is that Christ or is that God the Father? Okay, so actually that one may be a little more complex. Yeah. I don't know if I can give a, a, a straight up answer yeah, on that. Yeah, I'm not sure if I can either. I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you know, like if I get to heaven and God's like, you guys are totally wrong about all that. So, you know, I, cool, but I, I, we're trying to make a case here. That's what right, we're doing. Right. We're, we're trying we're, to understand what Scripture says. And we're going to try and use Scripture to do it. We're not just going to be like, well, I want it to be this, so I'm going to believe that. No. Right. We're right, letting right, Scripture right, hash right. this out. So point being, Jesus present throughout the Old Testament, we see plenty of evidence pointing to that because the angel of the Lord and the man and the son of man, they all receive worship. No angel ever receives worship. That's right. That's right. Therefore, Jesus yeah. present. Yeah. Great. Commander of the Lord's army. Boom. Bingo. Um, all right. With that said, the question then is how are those people saved though? Because Jesus yes. still hadn't died on the cross yet, right? So, I think the answer lies in Hebrews 11. Okay, okay. Before we get there, before we get there, there are uh, two individuals uh, in the Old Testament. We have what? Enoch, uh, yeah, yeah, Enoch, who it just says that uh, he was, uh, what was it? He walked with God and and he was not. Yeah. Uh, the The popular way that I've heard uh, preachers preach about Snatched that. up. Well, what I heard was that Enoch and God would walk together and they'd talk together. And one day God said, hey, you know, we're closer to my house than we are with yours. Why don't you just come home with me? And he said, okay. <laughs> You've heard people preach that? Oh, gosh, yeah. That is a yeah, super yeah, yeah. strange thing to say. <laughs> Like, I'm not saying they're, like, wrong, but, like, are they, like, laying that down as, like, a legitimate... Oh, no, no, yeah. no, no, okay. no, no, that's, okay. that's, that's, like, you know, a metaphor or, <laughs> okay. or whatever. Okay, I'm cool with that. And then the other person is Elijah. Yeah. Uh, Elijah is uh, separated from Elisha, and uh, a whirlwind comes and catches him up into heaven. Yes. Um, the implication in both of those is that their walk with the Lord had developed to the point that uh, God now said, hey, you know, come be with me. Well, if that's not salvation, what is? Right, because, I mean, well, that's how David, well, no, that's how even Jesus points to what salvation is, what eternal life is, yeah, to, being, to know the him. Father, to, to know yeah. the Father, to be with the Father. To be with the Father that's for how eternity. David looks at it in yeah. Psalm 23. I want to dwell in your house forever. Forever. I just yeah. want to live with you. And so, yeah, I mean, that that is totally what we think of when we think of salvation. So what we're trying to do then is make sense of what Jesus says, no man comes to the Father but by me, together with those two cases from the Old Testament. 
and other cases like Abraham, Genesis 4, uh, Genesis, what is it, 17? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Yes. Um, God considered Abraham righteous because of his faith. Right. But Christ hadn't died yet. Right. So how? Exactly. Yeah. That's a little tricky. Mm-hmm. And it's also super simple. <laughs> okay. Uh, listen, is anything we believe in Christianity like super, actually super, super simple? Like, no, it's all super deep. Like, it's all really impossible to totally comprehend. But we can understand the idea of it. And yeah. we can understand the truth of it. Yeah. We don't have to be able to explain the ins and outs of it. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. You know what I mean? Like, we're not God. We're not going to be able to see all pieces moving here. So I have heard. Okay. This is kind of similar. One of the easiest languages in the world to learn is Spanish. Mm. One of the hardest languages to learn to speak well is Spanish. Is Spanish. It's like the saxophone. <laughs> It's one of the easiest wep- or one of weapons. <laughs> Sorry. I used to just, you know, fight people with my saxophone. Um, it's one of the easiest instruments to pick up and play. One of the quickest to learn. One of the hardest to be really good at. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's Christianity in a, in a yeah, way. Yeah. It's easy enough. Oh, people talk about. It's easy enough to understand that a child can understand it. Right. They talk about the book of John that it's uh, it's shallow enough that a little kid could yeah. play in it like a puddle, but it's deep enough to drown an elephant. And like, <laughs> I think that's true, right? That's just scripture in general is that like, there are these very simple truths. We don't yeah. have to understand everything. We just have to get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so what we need to get today is. I think it starts in Hebrews 11. I think we need to start there. Is that fair? Sure. Um, Do you want to read it? The whole chapter? No, the chunk at the end. Uh, You know what? Let's summarize. Let's summarize because I don't know how much we can get by without breaking some kind of copyright. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Here's the deal. Hebrews 11 goes through and it names all. All of these people that were saved. It 11 of them specifically. Oh, well, that's that's actually very nifty. I didn't count how many, but now I'm going to go back and do it. Um, But it goes through and it names people um, who had faith. Yeah. And that lived according to that faith. And there are some on that list that, frankly, are confusing. Yeah, like Gideon? 
Gideon, Jephthah, mm-hmm. Samson. Yeah. You look at their lives and you don't think, hey, here's a guy I want teaching my kids in Sunday school. Class. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, well, Gideon starts good. It's the end of the story. Right, you know? right. Samson, right. most of the story is garbage. Then the end of it's really good. I, yeah. Well, well, kind well, of, well kind I mean, of. it ends poorly. Jephthah, but like, there's not much positive in there. And yet Hebrews said he had faith. Right. Or that he was faithful because that's another possible translation of it. That's weird. That yeah. is weird. But but we have to take their word for it, right? Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. this is the inerrant word of God telling us these men were faithful, whether by our standards they were or not. In God's eyes, they were. They lived by faith. But it names Enoch, it names Noah, Abel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Esau, uh Joseph, Moses, uh, those who passed through the Red Sea, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Right. And it commends them for their faith. And then at the end of that passage, if you want to read just the very last chunk there, where it talks about... Uh, all these people earned a good reputation? Yes. Yeah, all these people. This is uh, verses 39 and 40. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. But none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. That's the interesting part to me. Yeah, yeah. So it's like they're credited as good because of their faith. Right. Right? In, In fact, just like in the case of Abraham with Noah, this is verse 7. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and receive righteousness that comes by faith, just like Abraham. Right. They're made righteous. Yeah, the first chunk of them, are, it actually outright says, they're made and righteous. they were made righteous. Yeah. They were made righteous, and they were made righteous, which is which very in interesting. in the New Testament is the code word for they're saved. That's justification, yeah. right? That's you're made exactly. right with God. Yeah. You have been made right. And so we see this happening here, and then in the very end it says – but they didn't receive what was promised to them. Yeah. I think you can make the argument for, for many of them. That's like the promised land for a good chunk of them. And it it even kind of says that outright, but there's a bigger implication like the Messiah, like being made right with God, like, like being made perfect. Cause that's what he implies at the end. They weren't made perfect. Right. Right. That that's not going to happen without who? Us. Well, wait, we haven't been made perfect yet either. See, we've been saved if we believe in Jesus Christ today. That's hashed out throughout scripture. We know that we are saved, but there's like this now but not yet kind of thing going on. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, yes, we know that we have salvation, but we are still in a sinful worldly state because we haven't been made perfect. But we know that when we are with Christ after we die or after he comes back, whichever happens first, that we will be made perfect. And Hebrews 11 says that all those people from the Old Testament that lived by faith, they will be made perfect with us. Yeah. So they haven't been made perfect yet. We haven't been made perfect yet. And so there are some interesting timeline things going on there, right? Then you get into the whole like, well, wait, what's going on with like 
the underworld, like Sheol? Are they are they in a sleeping right. place? Yeah, are yeah, they yeah, yeah. are they in hell? Are they you know what I mean? And so you get to that whole Jesus going down and setting the captives free stuff. I'm gonna be honest. I don't know. I don't know about all that. I don't know the timeline. I don't know what's happening in the supernatural realms. But what I know is those that had faith are the ones that will be made perfect one day. Yeah. And so they were saved by their faith. And that's <coughs> commonly we tend to think of the Old Testament as its salvation by works, but it is not at all. Um, Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Concerning Noah, Genesis says, Noah found grace mm -hmm. in God's eyes. It wasn't his goodness. It was God's mercy that saved him. So really, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament does not lie in Old Testament is work salvation. New Testament is grace salvation. It's all grace salvation. And we, we're very guilty as just modern people of oversimplifying it. Well, it's not even simplifying it, getting it wrong and saying that it, that, like you said, it is a, you know, now it's grace. Now it's faith. It used to be works. Right. And, and that is discrediting. That's right. Huge chunks That's right. of the new Testament. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think another point to be made is that the people in the old Testament were looking forward to the Messiah. That, they believed in Jesus, that they didn't know who he was yet. They didn't know who this Messiah was going to present himself right. as, but they knew that God had a man that he was going to raise up and that that man was going to save them. And so you see people like Moses talking about this um, in Deuteronomy eighteen fifteen through 22. Moses uh, says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. You said, don't let us hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore or see this blazing fire, for we will die. Then the Lord said to me, what they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell the people everything I command him. I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet proclaims on my behalf, but any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or who speaks in the name of another God must die. But you may wonder, how will we know whether or not a prophecy is from the Lord? If a prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but this prediction does not happen or come true, you will know that the Lord did not give that message. That prophet has spoken without my authority and need not be feared. They go on in the New Testament, in Luke and John. You hear Jesus say it, and you hear the gospel writers say it, that this is the man that Moses spoke of, that this Jesus is yeah. the one yeah. whom Moses was writing about. And this is, this the is what they're talking about. Like Moses. Yeah. Jesus says, if you believed what Moses wrote, you would know that I'm your guy. <laughs> you know, like Moses was pointing to him. I got one for you. I asked you about this earlier. When I say that our good works are filthy rags, who do right, you think of? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. First, uh, I'll give you the answer I gave you earlier. First, I said it was James. No, it's not James. It's Paul. It's Paul. That's but, what we all think of, right? Right. That let our, our, our righteousness is, is but filthy rags before God, right? Isaiah said it first. Right. Paul's quoting Isaiah when he says it. Right. 
um, if we actually look at Isaiah 64, 6, uh, here it is. It says, let me find a good translation. One I can read. Uh, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall and our sins sweep us away like the wind. I look at Amos and Amos is talking to the people of Israel and he is um, he's very upset with them. He's speaking on behalf of God um, because the people are having all their religious ceremony, but they're not living just lives, right? They're not living like righteous people. They're not being good people. And so he says that this is what God says. It's uh, Amos 5, 21 through 24. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. So what do we see? We see Moses looking forward to a Messiah figure coming. We see the prophets writing about... I mean, Isaiah prophesies about a coming Messiah. You see over, what, 300 prophecies in the Old Testament saying, there's a guy coming that's going to save us all, right? But then you see Isaiah saying, but it's not about us being perfect. We're not going to be perfect. We need somebody else to save us. And then you see Amos saying, your religious rights aren't going to save you. God hates those if you aren't just. And then you go over and you look at David and David is talking about sacrifice in Psalm 51. And I'm painting a picture here. So bear with me. And when he talks about this, he says, For you desire not sacrifice, or I will give it to you. You delight not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Hmm. So what's David saying about sacrifice? Well, sacrifice isn't what we thought it was. It's not burnt offerings. It's not just animals. If that's what you wanted, then I'd give that to you. But what you want from me is you want me to have a broken heart for you. You want me to my heart to break over my sin. You want me to lower myself and humble myself before you and have faith in you. And the reason I'm bringing all of this up is because I said, I think that this is all answered through Hebrews 11. Right. But I think there's another little tiny little passage that we overlook in scripture that also sums up how people are saved in the old Testament. And that's Jonah. Jonah says in Jonah two, uh, seven through nine, he says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. This is from the belly now of the this fish. Chapter two is a poem written from the belly of the whale. Right. Right. And I mean, earlier in it, he says, uh, in my distress, this is the beginning. This is two one. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me from the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened right. to my cry. I mean, right. he's saying I was dead in the belly of a fish. Yes. And there's a huge, huge argument as right. to whether or not Jonah was literally dead right. in this fish. Um, but what he says here is he says in seven through nine, he says, when my life was ebbing away, 
I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Then he says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And what I see there is Jonas tying up all these ideas uh-huh. that you see from all those different passages I just read. That Jonas saying, salvation only comes from you, God. Right. And I'm dead in my sin. And nothing I do is good enough. And he's not saying sin, but he said, I was dead. I was hopeless. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I called out to you to save me. And he said, and so for that, I'm not going to turn to idols because then your love will turn away from me. He says, so I'm just going to sacrifice to you and I'm going to praise you. And so what do we see in those other passages I, I just wrote or I just read? Amos is saying praise comes from living a just life. Mm-hmm. Not from doing religious rites, not from right. having ceremony. And David saying sacrifice isn't the sacrificial system. Sacrifice is having a broken heart for your sin before God and recognizing that you have failed and that salvation comes from him. And so it's putting everything back on God. That's where salvation comes from. Okay. Jesus is the fulfillment of that in the New Testament. So what happens then to people in the Old Testament, the people of Hebrews 11? They've lived in the Old Testament. They've tried to be faithful uh, to the Lord. They have faith. That faith is attributed to them as righteousness. righteousness, And then they die. Hmm. So um, immediately I'm called to mind. So I'll be honest. I didn't. I didn't prepare to answer this question because right. I don't think we totally can. Right. I think. Yeah. It's about something that's well beyond us. Right. Well, yeah. There's no physical like. Right. We we have verses that kind of point at it. A lot of people would immediately go to like Abraham's bosom. Yeah. I think that's more metaphorical. Yeah, I, do I think too. that's a story. I, do I don't it's, think yeah. that that's a literal thing. It's a parable. Right. Yeah. Um. And, and we could go into that. I mean, that that could take twenty minutes to talk through that, but. Um, I think David talks about going down to Sheol. I think David truly does believe that he will go down to the land of the dead, right. that he will go to be with his ancestors in the earth. Now, I don't know when he says that, if he believes that that's like a hell-like state where his spirit is alive. Well, if if I understand right, Sheol simply means the grave. Right. That's That's one of the best translations for it. Right. So really, he's just saying, I'll be dead and buried. Right. And so um, he he believes that he's going to go be with those that have died before him. Um, yet David also believes that there's some chance to dwell in God's presence all the days of his life. Yeah, right. And yeah. so there's this weird balance there. Um, the way I personally have kind of always thought about this, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Um, I think it is very likely. Okay. Have you ever gone under for, uh, like a surgery? Yeah. You go out and you wake up. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't dream. It's like, right. you're, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. you've been out for like four hours, right? but you don't remember any of it or three hours, whatever. Um, I've kind of wondered if there isn't something to that. Um, that 
at the final resurrection? Because we see through Hebrews 11, it says that we will be made right with all of those, that we'll be made perfect with all of those before us that lived by faith. Yeah. Right? Which means they haven't been made perfect yet. So my question is, are they sleeping? Because Jesus says things like, she's only sleeping. When he talks about the little dead girl, um, when he talks about Stephen. Lazarus. Lazarus, yeah. Like all these people that have died, he says they're sleeping. They're just asleep. And I've kind of wondered if that doesn't mean that on that, you know, at the resurrection of the dead on Judgment Day, when we are all brought into the fold, I mean, it it really makes it seem like all that have died are going to be judged together. Is that how you read it? Um, so I was reading these days, reading uh, Augustine uh, in Confessions and in some of the other things that Augustine wrote. And this would have been in the 300s, early 400s. Uh, he actually talks about the idea that when a person dies, wherever they go, time has ceased to exist. Hmm. So while they may, it may be instantaneous for them, uh, they die and uh, blink, and when they open their eyes, they're with God. It, it's for like what us, I said about the anesthesia. It could be thousands and thousands of years. Right. For them, it's the blink of an eye. Yeah. yeah. I was I was looking here. There are three passages in the New Testament that talk a little bit about what happens to Jesus uh, after the crucifixion. Uh, the book of Ephesians says that he descended into the lower parts of the earth. Oh, we're doing this. <laughs> uh, and that's really all it says. Right. And then he ascended. The book of Jude, and I was just looking up Jude, and Jude kind of keys off of Second uh, Peter. Um, I'm looking for it here. Do you know which verse it is? I don't. Jude talking about Second Peter? Yeah. Where he says that, that Jesus preached to the... Uh, oh, 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 got you. Jude, angels in chains. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that would be uh, Jude 1, 6. Verse 6, I was looking beyond that. I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belong. God's kept them securely chained in prison darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. That's that's not the one. It is later that uh, Jesus actually preaches to. Okay. Well, let's try that again. Jesus preaching in hell. Uh, f- there's so there's First Peter three nineteen. Um, my internet's being a little wonky here. Oh, that's it. That's it. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago, and God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Uh, Jesus went and and he preached to them. Um goes on and talks about Noah. This is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God. 
from a clean conscience. It's effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So contemporary conservative theology would say that when Jesus was in the grave, one of the things he did was to go to a holding place, probably not to be called hell, Sheol, Gehenna. The place of the dead. Yeah, the place of the dead. And preach to the ones who were waiting. Waiting for the moment of the crucifixion and resurrection in which Jesus would declare that death no longer had any control over us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then took the captives, put them in freedom, and led them out of hell. I think that's a fair point. I think that very well could be part of it. Yeah. I, I it's it, but once again it's not totally hashed out. I mean I think I, it is not super I clear. Personally, that is definitely true. I think that is a fair way of looking at it and I think it's probably right. Is that a fair stance? Yeah. Um but but at the end of the at the end of the day I do think that there is some like uh, that he is preaching to the angels that have been put in chains. That oh, that sin. too. So and that he says very definitely. I think it's a multifaceted thing. Like mm-hmm. there's there's multiple things going on on that. Like Jesus descending into death, right? Um, but the point being here, uh, I mean, throughout all this, throughout everything we're saying here, is whether whether a person you know had faith in the Old Testament or a person has faith in the New Testament, the hinge point here is that Jesus Christ's sacrifice is what paid for the very fact that they even could be counted as righteous. Yes. Right. It's like God is crediting the righteousness of Jesus in the future, even to those in the past. Like, it's like he knows his son is going to die on the cross and that he is going to make these people right one day. And because these people have faith in that truth, they will be saved by that truth. Yes. It's like they, it's, it's kind of like, Jesus talking about, you know, you've seen me. Is he talking to Thomas where he says, you know, you you yes. needed to touch these holes in my right, hands. Right, right, But one day there are going to be people that believe in this and they haven't, they haven't Lesser seen me. Lesser those and they who haven't have believed me. and yet have not seen. Yeah. That's talking about the Old Testament too. Yeah. yeah. We think yeah. about it solely as us today, whereas we didn't live in the time of Christ and see it. But he's he can be referring to the people of the Old Testament that put their faith in him without having seen the work done yet. Now let me throw something out here and let, uh, tell me if you think this is too far off the wall. Uh, so I don't necessarily think that that means that people in the Old Testament who had a clear vision that a Messiah would come and die for them and then be raised from the dead, I don't think that that necessarily has to be what they believed. What they believed (coughs) was that salvation comes from God and God would save them. Yeah. I think that's fair. Okay. You see, like I kind of think about uh, Luke 12, 48, which I'm kind of reading it out of context, but I don't think it's wrong. Um, To whom much is given, much will be required. We have knowledge those people didn't. Correct. We have understandings of God that those people didn't. Yeah. I think we are each – I was actually listening to a guy. 
I wish I could give the guy the credit due. I'll try and post it in the notes if I remember his podcast name. But when studying some of this idea, uh, I ran across a really good podcast. And I think my favorite point he made was, um, you know, we are expected to make do with what we've been given. And none of us has a perfect theology. None of us perfectly understands scripture, but we are expected by God to understand him the best we can with what we know of him. Those people didn't have the full revelation of Jesus Christ, but they knew that the one true God, Yahweh, that he was the one that was going to save them. And that's all they had to go off of. And so I think you're right. Like they didn't, they didn't have the whole story. They didn't have the whole picture and they didn't have to. They knew that salvation came from the Lord, just like Jonah said, right? And, you know, that's kind of what we were talking about earlier, that John is a book that's, uh, you know, it's it's shallow enough that a child can play in a mud puddle and right. deep enough to drown an elephant. Well, the child's understanding is Jesus loves me, Jesus saves me. And that's good enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what this guy was saying. He's like, how much do you really have to understand before you're saved? Right. Do I have to totally understand the Trinity? Oh do I goodness. have to? Do I have to totally understand why Jesus is payment? To, like, wh- do I have to understand all the implications of the cross, right, or do right, I have to right. understand that like God died for me yeah. because He loves me, and if I believe in Him and I make Him my Lord, I am saved and I'm His child. Like, that's the gospel. That's good enough. That's yeah. good enough. And these people didn't even have the whole "God died for me" part, right. but they knew that there was one true God and that He loved them yep. and He could save them if they would just put their faith in Him. And Paul tells us all those people by their faith they were yep. credited as righteousness. Yep. yep, yep. And so I think that's what it boils down to over and over again. You know, if you know more, well, yeah, you should probably understand more, and it does matter what you do with what you've been given. But even if you've just got a little piece of the picture, it and here, let me be very clear what I'm not saying <laughs> before, because this could get dangerous, and I'm realizing mm-hmm. that. We are not universalists. Right. We believe that you are saved by the God of Jesus Christ, like by, by the Trinity, the triune God, by Yahweh, by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that God, the God of the Bible, the God of the of the Jews originally now to the to all those that believe in the sun right um i i do not believe like uh like the richard roars of the world that would say that the messiah the christ is like a kite and you know the kite may be up above the trees <laughs> and it doesn't matter who's holding that kite in your eyes it doesn't matter if it's gandhi or it's jesus or it's the buddha or it's you know, Muhammad, Allah, it doesn't matter. As long as you see the Christ, you're saved. That's new ageism. That's universalism. And it will damn you to hell. And so you cannot believe that. Do not believe that. Right. But it is faith in the one true God. We actually had another podcast uh, where we talked about, are the heathen really lost? Right. That, the, that was an interesting answer is one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, because what it boiled down to was the thought of like, well, if they don't know, then they can't be damned. Right. right? But if that's the case, then that means telling them the gospel is the worst is thing the you worst ever did to them. Do. Yeah. Because now they're damned. Right. Right? So it can't be that. So what I'm not saying is like, oh, you know, as long as you believe in some spiritual sense of some God, you're saved. I'm not saying that. Right. I'm saying you don't have to see the full story panned out to know that this God 
that has saved so many before is the only God that can save. And he's the one that I'm going to put my faith in. Yeah. That's the Bible. That's Jesus. Whether you're pre-cross, post-cross, it's Yahweh, it's Jesus. That's who saves us. Yeah. Yeah. Fair stance? Yeah. So I kind of pulled yeah. out a few points here. Sure. That I think sum up what this looks like. I said, how were they saved? In short, the people of the Old Testament were saved in the exact same way we are. Yeah. Faith in God, sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Right. It just hadn't taken place yet. Right. And so the question is, so it's by faith in the one true God. And if they knew of the coming Messiah, it's in the faith in that, right? Right. Um, But it is not through religious rites. It's not through being religious. It's not through, you know. It's not through sacrifice. It's not through going to, to church on Sunday just to go to church. Right. Amos makes that clear. I don't care about your music. I don't care about your sacrifices because you aren't just and you don't love people and you don't love God. So yours, all the stuff you're doing is worthless, right? right? Um, but he wanted justice, right? And so faith is living out a life that is just and adheres to what God requires of us. Yeah. Is it going to be perfect? No. And when it's not, we come back to him and we ask him to forgive us and to make us better. We see that. We see David do that. We right. see David right. go to God right. and say, I've messed up. Please forgive me. Ever... Give me your love again. Right. And, and God does. Yes. And so like even then, God was forgiving sins. God was pouring out his spirit on people. Um, we have to just be in relationship, right relationship with the one true God and living the best we can to what he's called us to do. Fair enough? Sounds good to me. You got anything else? You know, there are several rabbit trails we could go down, but I, at this point, the rabbit trails, I don't think they're worth going down. Future episodes, man. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Right on. Um, okay, cool. I'm good with that. Um, so yeah, guys, if you don't know Jesus, get to know him, go get plugged in at a local church somewhere. Um, if you need help doing that, you can reach us at, oh man, we have so many, I literally just got three new ways people can reach oh, us. Boy. I can't remember the three that you we already tell them. One. <laughs> I can't remember one. Okay. But this Questions is going to make it, this is going to, we'll pause. This is going to make it easier. Okay. okay. You can keep using those. Those are fine. All the ones we've told you in the past, but we've got a new website. Oh, cool. And so now you will be able to, and I don't know that I've got this function set up yet. You at some point will be able to send us voice calls oh, well. and messages. Well, so we can actually hear what you've got to say your questions. That's awesome. Um, you can find all of our episodes, all of our previous episodes. The YouTube page is actually linked over there. We haven't done anything on the YouTube page in forever. So forgive us, but we're going to try and be better about that in the future. Um, but you can now send your questions to Zach at salty saints podcast.com. And that's the website, www.saltysaintspodcast.com. All one word, no. All one, yeah, no space. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's okay. a web address, you know. Sure. Come on, man. Come on, Randy. Um, <laughs> so, what's a web? <laughs> what's yeah, what is the web? Uh, 
Other than that, guys, uh, make sure to give us a like, uh, subscribe to whatever you're listening to us on, leave us comments, all that good stuff. Share this. Share uh, the episodes that you like. We, we're trying to grow this thing. We're trying to be a blessing to the people um, in this world and to, to be a bigger ministry than we currently are. And, man, it's growing already. So thank you guys so much for that. Please go over to lifeaudio.com. They are our partners, and they're awesome, and they've got a lot of really good podcasts about reading and studying your Bible, about parenting, about family life, um, about just, they got daily devotional stuff like that. We've also got another daily devotional podcast, uh, here at new hope church. Yeah. It's called let's find out together. Yeah. And it is hosted by this guy sitting next to me, Randy Spate. Yeah. And, uh, how, how, how long is a regular episode? Well, now what we're doing is we're actually reading scripture so that if you listen to it, you will be able to read through the Bible in a year, listen to the Bible in a year. And the average episode uh, runs between 12 and 18 minutes. Beautiful. So get over there, check that out. All that stuff I said about likes and comments and ratings and stuff, do that over do there, there too. at Let's Find Out Together. And uh, until next time, y'all, stay salty. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcast.